Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We are going to talk about follow through strategies. How do we get ourselves to do the things that we want to do, especially when it comes to our health goals? I was thinking about this because 10 times stronger is starting this week. And I want all of you to set yourself up for the best success to crush your health goals. Most of us know what to do or have a plan of what to do, but we struggle to do it, to implement it, to stick with it. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says to the Romans. He said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. He says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I feel you, Paul. (laughs) And I think a lot of us do. A lot of us can resonate with that. We have the desire to be healthy, you know, to eat more nutrient-dense foods, to drink more water, to exercise, to get some good sleep, but we don't carry it out. And then we just get really frustrated with ourselves for it, which doesn't help. We've talked a lot about this kind of stuff and doing mind work around it which is really important. But today I wanted to come at it from a different angle and offer you some practical strategy to help you do the things that you want to do so that you can live into that higher expectation, that higher version of yourself. So before we kind of get into the strategies, the first thing you really have to do is figure out the kind of person you are or tendency you have when it comes to the expectations and goals that you set for yourself. There's a book called Better Than Before. I have talked about it a lot here on the podcast, and we've kind of gone through some of this stuff. But um, I want to go over it again today because it's really eye-opening when you can figure this out. The author says that people typically fall into one of four categories or personality tendencies when it comes to how they approach their expectations. Some people are more motivated by internal or inner expectation, you know, the expectation you have for yourself. And others are more motivated by external or outer expectation, the expectations that others have of you. So I want you to listen as I go through these four tendencies and identify which best describes you, okay? Number one, are you an upholder? An upholder meets both inner and outer expectations, whether they're set by themselves or someone else. They uphold the goal, the task, whatever it may be. If it needs to be done, they're going to do it. You know, they say they're going to do it and they follow through. If they have a health goal, they're going to do it because that's what upholders do. They value self-reliance, 
um, performance and an upholder is somebody that's really good and loves routine, which helps follow through. And that's the person you look at and think, gosh, they have a lot of self-discipline. If everybody was an upholder, everybody would be getting it done. But we're not. Unfortunately, we're not all upholders. And in fact, this is a pretty small category. There's not a lot of people that fall under this tendency. Okay, number two, are you a questioner? So a questioner will follow through if they feel like the goal or the task is worthy and justified. If it has a good reason behind it, they'll do it. But they want to know why. And they're going to be the person that asks questions, does some research, and responds well to hard facts and evidence. So in the context of a health goal, this is your person who is more motivated to follow through when they understand the why and the mechanisms. So like when I teach blood sugar regulation in Feast to Fast, or when we're talking about amino acid utilization and 10 times stronger, that is what a questioner is going to respond to well for motivation and follow through. And questioners meet internal expectations, not necessarily external, okay? If they are internally satisfied that the juice is worth the squeeze, they'll do it. Now, I have a lot of questioners in my life. A lot of my closest friends are questioners, which I think is interesting because I'm not really a questioner. I mean, as much as I love to learn and I love information, I love geeking out on this stuff, it's not necessarily the thing or the biggest factor um, that drives me to follow through, which is kind of interesting. But um, but I have a lot of questioners in my life. I just always think of that opposites attract um, situation. I got a lot of that going on. I may have a little teeny bit of upholder in me, but I am mostly driven by external expectation, as are many people, which clearly puts me in the next category we're going to talk about, which is the obliger category. So are you an obliger? You can kind of tell by the name. You feel obliged to do things. And that's what obligers are. And they are really good at meeting outer expectation rather than inner expectation. They are more likely to follow through if someone else is expecting them to rather than just expecting themselves to do that. Partially, it's the need for accountability. Part of it is they don't want to let people down. They're people pleasers. That is so me. Um, I am so much better at follow through when I have outer deadlines. Like if people are waiting on something for me, I am on it, you know, and if I have somebody to be accountable to, I am on it. I always tell the Christian Health Club, I'm like, I need you as much as you need me. Like we need each other for accountability. Um, You know, the chances of me going through the sugar detox periods that we do for Feast to Fast each time, or sticking to those Uh, vegetarian seasonal detoxes, or even, you know, even following through on these 10 times stronger goals, like I really needed our group to start. Let me just say that. Okay. Um, It's the piece that's been missing for me. So I am so excited for us to do this together because it is, I am just so much less motivated when I'm just doing it by myself. Um, And I, you know, I'm in the groove when I'm like, in the group and posting my food pictures and reporting workouts. And so, you know, I know people are expecting to see them and that keeps me in line, y'all, totally 100%. I make better choices when I'm showing my food, as do a lot of people, which we are gonna talk about 
But like there's so many times I'll be about to take a picture of my food to post it. And I'm like, ooh, I really should have a little more green in here. And that's a, that's a little too many crackers. I shouldn't, I don't need that many, you know. And so I will adjust before I take a picture and share it. And that's kind of the, um, that's kind of the point. But uh, the CHC has been my accountability partner for going on five years now. And they really help keep me in check. Like I said, I don't know that I would do the sugar detox part of Feast of Fast four or five times a year if we weren't doing it together. I think that's why a lot of people join the club or stay in the club or come back and do repeat our rounds of Feast of Fast just, you know, because we have these planned proactive challenges in place that keep us accountable to our health goals. But the obliger category, it's a big one. A lot of people fall into this category or have a little bit of piece of this in them right? If you think of like the Enneagram, you know how you have your main number and then your wing number. I'd say I'm an obliger with an upholder wing. And you might find yourself a combination of any four of these tendencies. Okay, the last tendency is the rebel. Are you a rebel? Rebels, as you might imagine, are not driven by external expectation. They're opposite of obliger. They're like, I don't give a rip what everybody says to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. In fact, if you expect me to do or act in a certain way, I'm going to do the complete opposite. (laughs) I know some rebels. I think I'm married to one. I know I'm married to one. It can be kind of tricky to work with a rebel when you're a health practitioner because you can be like, okay, here's what I need you to do. Here's the plan. And the rebel quite often wants to resist against that. But it could also be the opposite especially a rebel who is bucking conventional dietary advice, like what everybody else is doing. And they are very, could be very drawn to a holistic alternative health approach, uh, just because it's not what everybody does. But the point is that rebels are 100% driven by internal expectation. You know, after I read the book, Better Than Before, all those years ago, it really helped me finesse handling my husband. And my husband is the nicest guy in the world. A lot of you have met him if he's delivered beef to you here in Texas. He's super sweet, such a gentleman. But he's a rebel. And in fact, it's one of the things that attracted me to him because, again, opposites attract. And as an obliger who often feels beholden to other people, to be with someone who is just so confident and strong in what they want, you know, and what they do, no matter what other people think, It's kind of like, wow, how do you do that? But of course, you know, the things that make us fall in love with our mates are often the things that drive us crazy in marriage. And I know he feels the same about me, you know, worrying about what other people think or committing to something in the schedule because I don't want to let other people down. So this absolutely goes both ways. But it was really helpful after I read the book and understood, you know, it made me understand him better. Like this is a legit personality trait. And he's not just trying to be contrary, you know? And so now I know that if I'm trying to get him to do something, or if I want him to want us to do something, you know, um, go somewhere, whatever, that the more I try to talk him into it, the more he's going to resist. So I've learned just to kind of throw the idea out there and then just back off and almost act like I don't even care if we do the thing or not. Just like, whatever, whatever you want to do. And when I do that, he is so much more receptive. And quite often, he comes around on his own. What's even better with a rebel is if you can get them to think it's their idea and give them some ownership in it. Then they're all in. But from a health goal standpoint, 
the worst thing you can do is try to talk a rebel into something. You know, like if you were like, you've got to try a low carb diet. They're going to be like, nope, I'm going to eat all the carbs. Whereas a questioner is going to be like, why? Why should I go low carb? And an obliger would be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what everybody's doing. That must be good. So I'll, I'll do it. And an upholder is going to be like, if that's the thing that needs to be done for me to get healthy, it's as good as done. So see how that works? It's really helpful to know where you fit in here so you can help yourself better succeed. There's a quiz you can take to figure out which tendency you are if you're not sure. I'll link to it in the show notes or you can search the four tendencies quiz and you should be able to find it. But the book Better Than Before is really good. It's worth getting, I think. It's also where the concept of abstainer versus moderator comes from. You've heard me talk about that in various podcasts, but most recently with Judy Cho, the author of Carnivore Cure, who said it was easier for her to 100% abstain from carbs than 99% because that 1% left too much negotiation and drama for her. And this is a concept that I talk about with my Feast of Fasters, you know, when it comes to heck yeahs. If you can't moderate one of your heck yeahs, then it's better to abstain from it, either, you know, for a little while or permanently. Like if you can't just eat one or two cookies, that you eat the whole bag or you eat the whole pan, you probably need to abstain from that. Maybe not forever. Maybe you will learn to... Um, be able to include it more reasonably, but maybe not, you know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, But you got to know yourself and know how you operate, which is why we're talking about this today. When it comes to the four tendencies, like I said, most people fall into either the obliger or questioner categories. The upholder and the rebel are more so the outliers. And so we're going to kind of focus on the two broader categories. And the first one being the questioner, which for that person, um, they need to have a really good grasp on why they're doing something, why they're following a specific health plan, what are the reasons, the science, the mechanisms to it. Education is key for that. And, you know, I can see when things click for people, if they, you know, for instance, watch one of the videos in Feast of Fast, and then they understand how carbs and insulin work in the body. They understand what their body's doing when they eat certain foods. Or in a gut protocol, if we're doing that, you know, if they understand the the science behind the carbon technology and cell core, they just have more buy-in to it. You know, and I try to bring you a lot of education here just so you you have that and you it helps satisfy some of you questioner needs. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I love this stuff. I geek out on learning. Like sometimes I feel like I need an intervention on taking classes. Like somebody needs to stop me, say, you can't take any more classes. <laughs> um, because I love it. But it's not necessarily what always drives me to apply. That's the difference. So interesting. For the questioner, it's what they need to apply it. Uh, not ma- not necessarily for the obliger. But so if you're the questioner, or if you have someone in your life who is a questioner, and you're trying to help navigate them towards a healthier lifestyle, you've got to give them or direct them to some education around it. Okay, they've got to understand why it's going to work for them specifically. All right, so let's talk about some great follow through and accountability strategies for you obligers, but really for all of you. Like I said, a lot of us have a little obliger in us, um, or just need a boost of accountability in certain areas of our life, especially 
when it comes to our health and wellness goals. So I have five for you to consider. Um, and we're going to start with number one, which is a food journal. Listen, studies show that people who keep a food diary lose two to three times more weight than those who don't. That's significant, y'all. Okay, simply writing down, keeping up with what you're eating is enough to keep you on track and succeed. And what's great is that writing down what you eat not only brings awareness, like, oh, I didn't realize I was drinking four Cokes a day. It also brings ownership. Like you got to own up to what you're eating when you actually write it down. You know, a lot of people don't want to have to write down that they ate four pieces of pie. So they won't eat four pieces of pie. They'll eat one because that feels more reasonable to write down. It's just when it's right in front of your face, um, it's a good check yourself measure. And if you're turning your food journal into your nutritionist, you don't want to write down that you drove through McDonald's every morning. And so you change your habits. Keeping a journal also helps you make connections between your diet and your health issues. I have a client I'm working with, um, and we've been trying to unravel some things like constipation and migraines and a little bit of extra weight. She is going through the cell core protocol, um, which has been great. She's seen some good improvement with that for her constipation and migraines. She's passed some parasites. It's been good. But I asked her um, from the outset to keep a journal, not only of her food, but also when she poops. Um, how and how hard that was, like as far as was it difficult to pass or, you know, did it come easily? Um, when, you know, when she has a migraine, what day of her cycle she's on, her level of stress, how long she sleeps, all of this information. And it has been awesome. She made a spreadsheet. Like she, I told her and she just took it to town. She's not messing around here. So she made a spreadsheet and she turns it into me um, about every week. And it has helped us make some connections. For instance, her constipation has, like I said, it's improved through doing the uh, the cell core protocol. But there were a couple days last week when it was really bad again. And we're like, oh, what's going on here? But we noticed that they coincided with the days leading up to her um, her cycle, her period. And that's common. That can be common um, as we get close to our starting our cycle. Um, the hormonal changes can make some of us who are prone to constipation be constipated. But it was helpful that we could see that. Um, and also, we've, again, been noticing that her migraines have been abating. Um, so that's been very exciting. But now she knows, you know, she might need a little extra support around her period. Um, you know, the thing is, and the reason I wanted her to keep such an extensive journal is because when it comes to things like constipation or headaches, the root cause could be so many things or a combination of things. You know, stress could stall your bowels or cause headaches. Poor sleep could do those things too. So it's helpful to have that information all in one place so we can try to make those connections and see if there are any patterns. She is very dedicated to the journal. It is impressive. I tell her that all the time because, you know, there's a lot of people that are not willing to take the time to do that. But she is like, I, I'm willing to do anything if it helps at this point. And she's doing it and it's working. I always include a journal for people um, to print out and use in my programs like Feast to Fast and 10 Times Stronger. 
and uh, self-coaching Christians. And I encourage people to use that. And we, you know, we put the daily scripture there, the short devotional, and there's a place to write down, um, you know, our food goal, how much you moved that day, the water that you drank, all that good stuff. And people find it very helpful. And for those willing to take the time to fill it out, they're much more likely to stick to the plan and achieve their health goals. Okay, number two strategy, which kind of plays off the food journal, but do you know what's even more effective than a a written food journal? A photo food journal, taking pictures of your food, and actually taking pictures of your body, like taking a before photo, and then taking progress pictures along the way as your body changes can be very motivating. And I way prefer that to the scale, because the scale doesn't quantify body composition, you know, but you can often see and feel improved body composition in the way clothes fit or um, the way your body shape changes that you may not necessarily see or appreciate from a scale number. And seeing your body transform in pictures makes you want to keep going. You don't have to share them with anyone, you know, they can be just for you. But y'all, oh my gosh, I listen, I heard this one strategy where people had to submit a before picture to their trainer. And if they didn't show up for all of their training sessions um, during this specified challenge, the trainer had permission to post the before photo in social media. Yeah, I mean that, uh, you know, I, I guess that would get you to the gym. It's kind of extreme and it's based in fear. I don't, I don't think I really like that, but you know, sometimes different things work for different people. So if it works for you, then that's and you're down with it, then that's good. But listen, food photos are a great way to stay accountable. There's evidence showing that taking real time food pictures is even more effective than a written food journal. And so if a food journal makes people lose two to three times more weight, then imagine how much a photo food journal increases your success. And posting your food pics ups that ante even more. And that's one of the things that works really well for me and for other obligers um, to be accountable in posting food photos when we're going through a challenge like uh, Feast of Fast or as we come up on 10 times stronger here. And you know, what's nice, it's nice to have a space to do that where it's expected and encouraged. Some people share their food photos in social media. And that's fine if you're comfortable with that. But a lot of people aren't, you know, just kind of sharing it with the masses. And so that's when if you have a special group like we do in the Christian Health Club, that comes in handy, right? Because we want to see those food photos. We encourage it. And I like it because it helps me course correct people if necessary. I'm always looking at the food photos and giving people feedback along the way. And so this just naturally leads me to the third strategy we're talking about, which is having an accountability partner, professional, or group, because that can make all the difference in the world when it comes to follow through. If you've scheduled a time to meet a friend to go for a walk, or you have an appointment with a trainer at the gym, or you're meeting regularly with your nutritionist, or you're committed to posting daily food photos in your nutrition group, all of those increase your chances of showing up, which increase your chance at success. I love the idea of creating a wellness team for yourself. You know, surround yourself with professionals and friends and like-minded people, groups. They're going to hold your hold you, hold yourself to a higher standard of self-stewardship. 
I love the quote from motivational speaker Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, that's right, okay, I said it right, (laughs) that says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And when it comes to your health habits, you've got to consider how the people around you are influencing you. It's human nature to sink or rise to the level of your environment because it's what becomes normalized. If drive throughs and drinking and couch potatoing are your crowd's norm, you're more likely to lean into that, right, and kind of fall into that rhythm. But if people around you are active and striving for better health and talking about, um, you know, just different recipes, healthier recipes, and, and being around people that, you know, want to put the Lord first, have a good relationship with the Lord, all that rubs off on you, right? And you're more likely to lean into that. Um, and to pick up that energy and roll with it and just, you know, rise up to that level, um, that higher level of health and wellness. I have to be honest with y'all. Um, I've had a really, really, really rough few months, lots of family things going on. I mean, I've kind of talked about it here and there over the last year, but it's not going away. It's uh, it's just ratcheting up. And I've been under a lot of stress. And it was all kind of crescendoing during uh, the last Feast of Fast. And I'll tell you, if I didn't have that group, if I wasn't part of something I felt accountable to, and if I wasn't posting my food every day, it would have likely gone much different than it did. I mean, I am not above stress eating and drinking. You know, although I I have a lot of awareness about it, and, uh, you know, I can catch myself, um, but I was struggling. I mean, all I could manage really was the bare minimum of thought and effort into my meals. I felt like my meals were so boring and just basic this last time around. But that's, I mean, it was just kind of all I could muster. And I shared all this with the group, you know, that I was going through some pretty significant stress. In fact, one of our Zooms turned into a bit of a therapy session for me. (laughs) My members are just so sweet. They're so loving and kind. I mean, and how could they not be? Because, you know, we're just all there because we love the Lord and we want to radiate that love and help each other. It's just a really super special vibe in the CHC. Um, so, you know, like find you some people like that or come come be with us. We's good people in the Christian Health Club. But, you know, what I hear a lot is that people um, who want to change their health, you know, or there might be a program, just say it's Feast of Fast, for instance, or even 10 times stronger, you know, they'll be like, oh, it's just a really bad time. I'm under a lot of stress. It's just all really busy at work. There's a lot going on. And so they'll put off doing it. But I'm telling you what, that is the time that you need to dive in and surround yourself with accountability. That's when you should do it because those are the times, the times you're in stress or you're busy or whatever it is, that you you put yourself on the back burner, right? You shelve your health goals. But those are the times that you need your wellness team around you even more to keep you accountable to keeping yourself healthy through those times. So consider that. Think about that. Okay, number four. This strategy is to use some kind of tracking app, okay? It's kind of like keeping a a food journal, but you could use an app. Now, you know this isn't my cup of tea, but it is a game changer for so many people to log their food in a in a food tracking app every day. And I, I support that. If that works for you, I'm all for it. I have clients that love using something like MyFitnessPal or Carb Manager to log in their food and their exercise. It really helps them stay on track. It makes me cuckoo, right? But 
Um, that's just my personality. See, again, you have to know yourself and know what works for you and what doesn't. And I know that doesn't work for me, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people. And so I am in full support of if that works for you, if whichever of these resonate and work for you, that's what you should do. But I will tell you one app that I do like using um, is an app to track my fasts because it's easy. It doesn't involve a lot. You just press the button when you start your fast and you press the button when you end your fast. But there's something really powerful about making it official like that. Like, okay, I'm officially starting here. Boom. It just clicks on a higher level in your brain. And you're so much less likely to get handsy in the kitchen after dinner if you've already hit your fast button. You know, like you do not want to have to hit stop and start over. And, you know, then it's so rewarding the next day to officially stop your fast and see how many hours you've gone. So I do love the fasting apps and I recommend people use them when we do Feast to Fast. I use the Zero app, but there are a lot out there um, that, that track fasts and such. But again, any of the apps, if they work for you, and they help you stay on track and stay accountable and follow through, use them. Okay, the last strategy, number five. This is gonna sound kind of funny, but it <laughs> involves cold, hard cash, yo. Because listen, when you have some skin in the game, you are much more likely to follow through. When you pay for something, you are much more likely to wanna get your money's worth. Now, there, you know, has, there has to be enough of a pain point there, right? Because I do know people who will buy a gym membership and not show up or hire a nutritionist and not follow through. I have definitely seen that happen. But most people have a tipping point, you know, a level of money that they pay or invest that makes them freak out enough to show up and follow through. This has absolutely been the case for me over the years. I, uh, I shared with you in one of my earliest podcast episodes about hiring a business coach to show me how to get Feast to Fast off the ground. I had the concept, you know, but I, I just didn't know the logistics of how to make it happen because I'm, I'm not techie. I'm not businessy. We all know I'm not great with numbers. So I really didn't know how to go about it. And so this coach was recommended to me, but she charged $5,000, $5,000 y'all for like two months which only included three to four meetings with her, you know, Zoom meetings for like an hour, and then having her team do some design work. I had never spent that kind of money really on anything, but certainly related to what I do as a nutritionist. Heck, I didn't even spend that much to become a nutritionist, okay? I think NTA has raised their prices, but when I did it, it wasn't that much. It certainly was not $5,000. So this was not a decision that I was going to take lightly. In fact, I took it to the Lord and I was like, Lord, you have to tell me what to do here. I mean, I need to be super clear about this. And I asked him for a sign. Like, God, I mean, I can't mess around here. I need a really clear sign. <laughs> And I was very specific. I said, I need to see or hear the word Amanda, because that was the coach's name. I need to it come into my presence in a very obvious way that would be out of the norm. And so I even put a timeline on it, like, I need to know by Monday at 10 a.m. And sure enough, I was listening to a book on Audible on one of my walks one morning, which I never do. I never listen to Audible. I listen to podcasts. But on this particular morning, None of my podcasts would load. They didn't work. 
And so that was, that never happened, right? But not a coincidence, I don't think. So I listened to this new book that I had just downloaded and the author was going on and on about his daughter. And he came to this part where he said her name and it was with a lot of emotion. And he was like, Amanda. And I like to fell down on my walk. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, there's my sign. There's my sign. But y'all, I mean, this was a lot of money we were talking about. And I was like, God, that was amazing. But man, I'm going to need another sign. <laughs> I need a backup sign because maybe I'm crazy. Or maybe that was a coincidence. I need one more sign, please. And so I asked him, please just give me one more sign. And let me see or hear the word Amanda in, in an unusual or obvious way. And I'll be darn if it wasn't National Amanda Day on social media. I'm not kidding. I like flipped on Facebook or something. And it was like, it's National Amanda Day. And it had Amanda real big and these lights going around it and all these arrows pointing to the name. I was like, okay, I gotcha, gotcha, God. So I felt like my answer was clear. So I felt better about it, but uh, it still didn't make me not want to barf when I paid the $5,000, which I had to do all up front, okay? But you better believe I showed up. I did the work. I got it done. There was no way I was going to not do that with all that money down, and so I did it. And Feast of Fast has been running for almost five years now. Good investment? Yes, I would say so. Did the stress of that decision take some years off my life? Maybe. <laughs> but you know what? I learned a lot about myself in that experience. And that is that I am indeed driven to complete tasks when I've got some money on the line. And I think a lot of people are that way. And so since then, you know, I have invested in a lot of classes and coaches and supplement protocols even you know these gut protocols are not inexpensive I've been through several of them and they're all an investment in time and effort and in money I have a group in the Christian Health Club um, who is going through the cell core protocol they are in their last month of it it's four months long we started in January we're wrapping it up and, you know, it has some highs and lows, as detoxes do, but some of those lows can make you want to throw in a towel. But after you've invested so much time and effort and money, you stick with it. You follow through because you, you don't want to give up on this thing that you've gone through, right? I remember um, one other time, I mean, I have lots of instances of, you know, putting money in the line, but this was kind of a funny time because I wrapped got my best friend wrapped up in it with me. And I was like, okay, take this. It's like a, it was like a goal setting class. And you had to pay $500. Okay. And create, it wasn't really a vision board, it, but kind of, you had to define your values and your goals for all of these different areas in your life. Like, um, like your spiritual goals, your health goals, your career goals, your relationship goals. And you had to just sit down and really think about those and write out what was important to you and what you wanted to accomplish. And then, yes, you you know, added some inspirational um, quotes or Bible verses or pictures. And, and so when it was done, and but we you do it on the computer. And then if you turned in, and it was like eight pages, okay? And if you turned it in, you got your $500 back. So there was incentive to get that done because you could get your money back. You know, there was a, a specific parameters you had to follow and a deadline. But if you did it, then you got all your money refunded. 
So do you think I did it? Oh, yeah, I did. I wanted my 500 back and I got it back. But, you know, if it had been like a free class, I'm like, oh, I'm going to sign up for this little goal setting class or even if it was like 50 bucks. I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't think I would have followed through because it did take some time to do. You know, I don't think I would have stuck it out. And my friend, my best friend, she definitely wouldn't have. She was kind of mad. I got her roped into it. But for $500, we both got it done. We both got our money back, you know, and then we had these completed projects. And it was nice because it's one of those things that, you know, like I said, it's thought provoking. It was kind of therapeutic. And it's it's one of those things that you don't take the time to do for yourself. Um, but this this made us do it. So that was really interesting um, and eye-opening experience. And since then, I've noticed that this has kind of become a thing, actually, a strategy that I've heard and seen other people use in the health and fitness world to have people put down some money and only get it back if they follow through with the program or the challenge or whatever it is. And like I said, sometimes the initial investment, you know, into the gym or the nutritionist or the program or the equipment, like if you buy a home gym or something, sometimes that's enough to motivate someone to follow through. But sometimes more than you think, it's not. It's not enough for some people. And it's kind of that reason, I don't know if you, you're like this, but I used to download all these free guides. Like, oh, it's free because, y'all, I'm kind of cheap, <laughs> honestly. Um, and I'm like, oh, something's free. I'm going to get it. And so I would download all these free guides, especially on these, like, businessy things. You know, but I'd download them, and then did I ever do anything with them? No. I just amassed all this stuff and I'd always say, oh, I'll, get, I'll go back and, and look through it. But I didn't. And it wasn't until I plunked down $5,000, you know, got some serious skin in the game, $5,000 worth of skin, that I actually did anything. And it was like somebody lit a fire under my butt. I did it quick because I had to. And so, like I said, that changed me because now I know that it's a huge motiva motivating factor for me to invest money. Um, and it's just that's my personality. You know, it helps. And I think a lot of people um, might be the same way. And, you know, now I've invested all kinds of money in classes and coaches and, and I show up and I do the work. So money talks, y'all. For some of us, we have to put our money where our mouth is. So here's what I've decided to do. This kind of inspired me to try this to set up the offer to do this in my 10 times stronger group for anyone who's interested. It is completely optional. But I have put into place an accountability investment follow through challenge, which involves people submitting a payment of $150. Okay, I kind of thought it should be more really get your skin in the game. But Rebecca, my operations manager was like, No, that's too much. I'm like, Okay, but you know, after I've plunked down all this money and made me follow through anyway whatever it's 150 dollars. okay you can always you could always submit more if you wanted to but um it's a 150 dollar challenge and all you have to do is turn in your weekly written journal to me and if you do that you'll get your money back on the challenge okay you still have to invest in the program to do it because you got to have some skin in the game to do the program. But if, like I said, sometimes that's not enough for people. They need to step it up even more. So if that's your personality, you want to do the follow-through challenge, you can do that. I am not judging people on their results. I am looking for commitment 
and follow through and consistency. So all the person has to do is record their daily food and their workouts and turn that into me week by week and then they'll get their money back. We provide the journals for everybody to use um, and 10 times stronger and feast to fast in all my programs because I want everybody to be successful and I would love everybody to use them as a follow through tool. But for people who need high stakes external motivation, whose personality responds to the skin in the game, for those who want to hold themselves accountable, we are offering this challenge. And again, totally optional. I just I want to see if we get any takers and just how it how it works out. Maybe we'll incorporate it more in the future if uh, if people find it useful. But more than anything, the reason that I wanted to do this podcast and what I want to help you do is to obviously be successful, um, but but really, you know, just to help you see and help you think about and help you follow through and having your own back, you know, keeping your word to yourself. Most of us are really good about keeping our word to our family and our friends. We don't want to let them down, especially if we're obligers. But I would say that applies to most of us, right? We have this level of respect for others that if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. We're going to follow through for the people that we love, or if we have a commitment to them, or if it's um, our job, somebody we work for, we're going to we're going to honor that commitment. And the thing is, is that we don't often have that same level of respect and keeping our word to ourselves. And that's a real drain on your spirit. So no matter which strategy resonates with you, surely one of them resonates with you today, or you learned something about the way that you face um, expectations that might be helpful. Choose something that resonates with you and give it a try. You know, and if you're doing 10 times stronger with us, like I said, we have the journals ready, we have our group ready, and we have the special follow through challenge ready. We are ready. We are going to keep the word, God's word, front and center. It's incorporated into the weekly journals. And we're going to keep our word to ourselves to follow through, to honor our bodies, to commit to this month of self-stewardship. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, my friend, I hope to see you in 10 times stronger this month. Thank you so much for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.